you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to Matthew chapter 7. It's good to see you guys today. We've got uh, some friends in here that are usually doing gospel project in our kids' life groups in the back. Uh, uh, First through fifth graders with me, kindergarten through fifth, right? All right, can we welcome them or or we not want to do that? Okay, you should. We should always let them know we're glad that they are in worship with us. Your Bible, Matthew chapter 7. Our sermon title for today is On Gavels and Grace. On Gavels and Grace. Uh, We're going to talk about the scriptural concept of judgment. Welcome to church. Full disclosure, a little bit over a a year in, uh, one of my grand struggles is poor customer service. Uh, I think it's the absolute worst. Uh, And if that happens to be at a restaurant where the server, rather than standing at your table, is uh, around 25 feet from you yelling, asking you questions, I don't love that. When they are saying things to you like, what you want? Oh, I I want you to come here and talk to us is what I want to happen. Uh, Other things, when you have to... uh, interact with a company and the people who are in charge of said company. Now, there's two ways to do this. One of these is for you to email them. If you have a customer complaint, or the word that I prefer is critique. If you have a customer service critique that you need to put towards a company, how many of you are more than likely to do that electronically and send an email? If that's you, raise your hand. All right? Okay. These people whose hands... One more time. These are the people who are doing it the wrong way. The way that you handle customer service, according to me, and I'm the one talking, so I guess that's all that matters, is I will find whatever the 800 number is, and I will call the company. And when you call the company, here's what needs to happen next. You have to be very patient. Like have some gum with you, uh, a nicotine patch, because they're going to make you sit through about 47 minutes of electronic people talking to you. And you have to keep pushing buttons. And, And back in the day, you could just push zero over and over and they would just apologize in their robot voice and then they would send it. But now you have to make sure that as you push those buttons, you're pushing the appropriate ones to get to the person and then you have to let them know exactly what your issue is with their company. And sometimes that issue needs to be, hey, I had a really good experience. But more than more often than not, your issue is something serious. Hey, the, the water in my front yard, it will, it will not stop flowing. You may think that's odd. When we were in Chattanooga, there was a morning that I woke up and I thought there was a torrential downpour outside. And I thought that because sheets of water were rolling down our windows. And I, and as I looked out there, I just the water just flowing everywhere. And my first thought as a pastor was, no one's going to be at church today. Because that's what you think, right? Church is the only thing that it can be too ugly outside or too pretty outside for people to choose not to do. 
But, but that happens all the time. Hey, that's too ugly for church. Too pretty for church. Not going. But I, I, that's my first thought. And then I realized what was happening. I looked out and the pipe in front of our house had burst. And water was just flowing on our home and the home next to us. So I have to make two to three customer service calls to let them know as to my issues with what they have done to me and or my water bill. (laughs) And all of this was so that I could let them know that there was something that they needed to address that I was more than happy to help them address it that we needed to make this better. Now, when we talk about judgment, that's a really popular idea in churches that we would say this phrase, you should not judge other people. And we get that from a pretty good source, Jesus. You've probably heard of him. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 in the ESV reads, Judge not that you be not judged. In the New American Standard Bible, it reads, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. In the New Living Translation, it reads, Do not judge others and you won't be judged. In the NIV, it reads, Do not judge or or you too will be judged. In the message, which is usually a little tricky, a little poetic, sometimes super off, but in the message it reads, don't pick on people or jump on their failures or criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. So this is, these are the words of Jesus, and we should be people who are all about the words of Jesus. And Jesus said to us in Matthew chapter 7, do not judge. So... From this point forward, no one should have any judgmental thoughts about the actions of another person. The problem with that is, the next five verses, Jesus uses heavily judgmental language. As a matter of fact, the two chapters that precede this in in our Biblical translations, Jesus uses language that consistently divides between this is what you should do, this is what you should not do. This is how you should act, this is how you should not act. This is who my people are, this is who my people are not. So there has to be more to this. There's another verse in John chapter 7 where Jesus says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So Evidently, there's more to judging or not judging or choosing to judge or not choosing to judge than whether or not we just have this verse memorized. It's pretty convenient for us to have pocket verses that we pull out to prove what we believe before we even started. This is one of them. You should not judge people. So let's read the whole, these six verses and then see what we can learn from them about if and when we should judge. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, you will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and and they turn to attack you. Three questions that I want you to ask, I want myself to ask whenever I'm considering, am I obeying what God would have me to obey and being who God would have me to be and doing what God would have me to do in light of judgment? First question is this, am I being hypercritical? Am I being hypercritical? Second question, you even see it there, am I being hypocritical? Popular word. Or am I offering a holy kind of critique? Because the last is what Jesus would have you and I to do as people who claim to follow him. John Stott, theologian, says this, Jesus does not tell us to cease to be men by suspending our critical powers which help to distinguish us from the animals, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as the final judge. This passage is about the Pharisees primarily, a a group of people who had made the decision that what they said had to go and what they told the nation of Israel to do, they had to do it. Jesus in this passage is talking about as he tells them not to judge to hold back that every one of us who would make any type of decisions about the actions or reactions of another should consider this that we should have restoration in mind in whatever we say and whyever we say it that we should be thinking how can the words that are about to come out of my mouth How are they going to help this person advance in their walk of faith? How is this person going to be better because of what I say to them? Will they be impacted in a way that helps restore them? Will this reset their sanctification? Will God be made much of more by what I say to them than if I do not? Again, we we see these concepts. Verse 2, For with judgment you pronounce you will be judged... And the measure you use it will be measured to you. Jesus is going to use a carpentry background, his carpentry background in verse 3. As he begins to talk about specks and logs. Jesus was a carpenter, most would argue. And I would imagine he knew a little bit about this. Now, help me out. Who does woodwork in the room? Anybody? Who wears, who wears goggles when they do their woodwork? Okay, it's okay. It's okay, you're men. Uh, We don't follow rules right. Uh, Jesus, when he talks about this, is talking about what would take place in a goggleless society when they would do woodwork. That there would be things that would fly into their eyes. And he's using this to point out those who would walk into a situation that they do not understand with judgment that they have not been given permission to make and make declarations. Who likes to get a new boss who doesn't understand your job? 
Who likes to have someone placed in a position that they consider to be authority that does not deserve the right to be authoritative? How many of us have ever said, that person doesn't understand what I do or why I do it? Our kids are going to camp We're in June. And third through fifth graders, going to be a really good time. I'm excited for them to experience this. I've spent the last decade of my life, still much of my time, I... I, I I love to speak to teenagers. I love to speak to kids. That God's given me opportunities to do this for years. And one of the things that stands out to me with this is what takes place that we don't realize. Because you'll have people that will show up at a camp. And maybe you deal with this at your job too. But this is what I'm the most aware of. My wife and I met at a summer camp. We were on leadership staff of a summer camp. And we would have uh, to read the evaluations of people who came to the camp that did not understand everything that went into making a camp of 800 to 1,000 to 1,200 kids happen. And at the end of the week, you make the mistake of handing everyone in the facility who does not understand what you're doing or why you're doing it an evaluation. And when you hand them this evaluation, there are questions that are asked of them to get their feedback. Now, that's okay. Feedback's a wonderful thing. But what you find from feedback is they don't understand exactly what your role is there. Because at these events, you're over recreation, or you're over the worship service, or you're over preaching. They've usually contracted out the labor to the place that they've rented for the week. And here are the things that I have read complaints about. The food was terrible. Okay. I agree. Completely. Second thing that you'll see is, they will complain and they will rank their rest as a one because I stayed up all night. That's on you, bro. That is on you. Go to sleep. Here are some other evaluations. Your camp is too long. The next sheet that you read will say, your camp is too short. We can never find Goldilocks' response to this where she says, your camp is just right. No one does that. When you read through the evaluation, some of them say, I didn't like the preacher. And some of you are looking at me now like, I want an evaluation for this guy today. <laughs> Jesus is talking about the idea of us looking into the lives of others and considering how can I contribute to making this better? What is hypercritical? Well, hypercritical is this. Uh, it is truth without grace. It's seeing the sins in another person. And using your Bible as a weapon. To bludgeon them. One commentator defines this concept as delusional expectations based upon notions that you walked in with. There is no hope of restoration. There is no hope of sanctification because the very grace of God is not present. 
when you begin to talk about different denominations and how this denomination functions versus how this denomination functions, when you look at uh, evangelical churches, one of our primary issues is there are times that we look at scenarios and we have a truth in mind, but there is no grace in our presentation of it. And regardless of how right you happen to be, if grace is not present, you're wrong. There's no foundation in grace. It's the, it's the idea of, I can't believe you're doing what I, not doing what I said you should do. You know the place you see this the most? A place that is pretty graceless. Lots of truth on there because lots of believers are on there. When you log into a social media account and when you log into a Facebook account and you begin to look at everyone's feed and everyone is taking Bible verses and then their concepts on, on scriptural ideas and they've either commented or they've posted and there are all of these phrases that they've uttered that we as believers would say, yes, there's, some, there's truth there, but there is no place for them to interact with someone who may not agree with them. Well, I just got to put out what's right. That's a complaint that we make. I just got to put it there. No. No, you don't. You can delete it. Because it's easier for us just to post. But we don't want to be part of a solution. And honestly, I've never met a person who looked at a Facebook page and said, that person called me an infidel. I'm going to go to their church on Sunday. That's not how it works. Do you know why people come here? No one goes to church lost people. In particular, those who are far from Jesus. No one will ever come to church because there is a preacher in the room talking about Jesus. I can't be clever enough. Can't be attractive enough. Can't tuck my shirt in enough. I do not draw people here. Our music is fantastic. Every single Sunday. For someone who is far from Jesus, they can't be good enough. And if that's offensive to you musicians, I'm sorry. Jared will be back next week and he'll... he'll Buy cupcakes. They can't be good enough. They can't sing songs well enough to make someone want to sing about Jesus. It is when the people of God choose to present the truth of God with the grace of God in a person's life where we choose to link arms with people and let them know that we love them enough for them to want to experience whatever it is that we say has changed our lives. 
the idea of being hypercritical is removed. It feels good to call people terrible names. But Jesus talks about how you're probably not thinking about your own stuff. What's going on with you? The second concept that we see is hypocritical. Verse 4, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own? Verse 5, You hypocrites, take the log out of your own eye, and you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Wait, Jesus just said that we should set ourselves up to take the speck out of our brother's eye. But he's just used the word hypocrite to talk about the Pharisees and by proxy to talk about many of us. Because there's a show. What is hypocritical? What's it mean to be a hypocrite? It's a Greek word for play actors. Uh, It it really means to to wear a mask. This is a mask that was at my house in honor of, of this week's big movie release. And it smells terrible. I mean, my children, what, what are you doing with your faces to make this thing smell so bad? But, so I'm wearing this mask, and if I'm wearing this mask, this means that I'm whom? Oh, that's cool. I'm not Spider-Man. I can't climb up these walls. I can't do anything in this that Spider-Man can do. I don't have spider sense that tingles. I can't shoot webs. I'm wearing a mask to be something that I'm not. Jesus uses the word to talk about those who would address the sins of others without considering what's taking place in their own hearts. It's grace without truth. It's the idea of us sidestepping the issues of another so that we can just say that it's okay because God has told us not to judge them I sat at a lunch at a church one day and and I overheard a a table full of of senior adults talking about a couple that was um, well that was experiencing some marital difficulty and then As the conversation progressed, they they were talking about how there was a a lack of faithfulness on behalf of this couple. And then one of those little ladies quoted Jesus. How can you ever argue with someone who quotes Jesus? And she said, but you know what the Bible says. Don't judge. It also says to cut off your hand. But you ain't doing that. It's not addressing what needs to be there with what we've been given to address it. Uh, The danger, again, definition, delusional expectation due to a distorted view of one's self point. Out of... Point is a distorted view of oneself. It points out the faults of another with no hope or restoration because truth is not present. Hypocrite to be hypocritical has no foundation in truth. 
And we see this in circles of gossip. And sadly, circles of gossip, we all have to be careful not to be in them. Verse 5 again. You hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Theologian said, correct him. This is the way that God would have us to deal with sin. Correct him, but not as a foe, nor as an adversary exacting a penalty, but as a physician providing medicine. So God has directed the lives of those who follow him to invade scenarios where truth or grace is not there and to say things that would help grace and truth be there. Because what Jesus has made is a judgment-filled statement. And Jesus offers those and he condones those and he encourages us to be in a relationship for the sake of those. Jesus would have us, as those who claim to follow him, to have relationships where truth and grace balanced together would help those who we know and love and spend time with to know and love him better. Verse 6, he begins talking about animals. And the things that we shouldn't worry about. Don't give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before the pigs. Lest they trample them under feet and they turn to attack you. Now I know that we love dogs. Dogs are loved because they're pets. Pigs are loved because we put them in pastries. Any kolache amens this morning? That's okay. I had one. I didn't actually. I'm No carbing people. No carbs. Jesus is addressing a world where dogs were scavengers. They would steal from you and they would attack you. The Psalms even talk about dogs as animals that would eat human beings. They weren't domesticated. Pigs were also known to be wild animals that would run through town, sometimes trampling over children. Pigs were known to eat whatever they were given. They, they were, and if you were to throw them pearls, you were wasting those pearls because the pig may even try to eat it. And when they ate a pearl, they would probably be pretty angry with you. Jesus is talking about the idea here that when you look and you consider the words that you use and how you use them, the things that you say and how you say them, the grace that you show and how you show it, the truth that you, you would provide and how you provide it, that we need to think there are times for us when we are exhausting ourselves with truth and grace that is not helping advance any cause whatsoever. You need to move away from that. Coincidentally, the Bible does not mention cats because they're terrible. For those of you who are sad about that, have you ever met a cat? Let's carry on. So, if we're going to talk about the idea of we don't want to be hypocritical or hypocrites and we don't want to be hypercritical and 
address things with no grace, what would Jesus have us to be? How would Jesus have me or you to deal with the faults in someone that we care for? I took art when I was in the 8th grade. My teacher's name was Mrs. Thomas. I don't remember her first name. We weren't on a first name basis, but she was nice. And I remember turning in art projects to her where I had drawn things. And there was one in particular, an event where she was going to have us post our photos and then we could sell them. And I even sold a, a, a piece of art made out of crayon for $5. I was so rich. And when I did this, I remember we took two weeks with her going over with me the faults in what was there. She, she taught me the word critique. She wasn't a critical spirit. She looked at my art piece and she showed me what she liked, but she showed me how to make it better over and over and over so that I could make this whopping $5 that would today not pay for a combo meal at Taco Bell. And as I looked at this over and over and over, I realized as a child in the 8th grade that she had my good in mind. The criticism that Jesus would have us to offer has the good of the one whom we are addressing in mind. Well, what if it's damning? Or what if it hurts? Or what if the things that we say cause them to be wounded? Is there an judgment with the intent of crushing the accused that's foundation was full of grace and hope? Yes! The very reason that we can walk with God and talk with God and hear from God, there was one who was accused who took my judgment upon himself because he was wrongfully accused. And he was crushed with hope in mind for me. So you look at this and we consider how do I offer critiques of those who I disagree with or those who are doing something incorrectly. How can I help them to advance? And these are the two questions you must ask whenever judgment is something that is filling your heart. Whenever you look at someone and say, that dummy shouldn't be doing that. If we are asking those questions... And we have relationship to help the person deal with that. We ask two things. One is, what will I give? Because if you're not willing to give to help this person course correct, and I mean give time, energy, effort, offer wise counsel, direct them to people in our congregation who can offer them wise counsel, then, then hush. Well, do we have any biblical direction for that? 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says this, We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. What will I give? You give of you. The second question that I want you to ask is, well, what's the goal? If there is something that needs to be judged... What's your goal for judging it? Galatians 6 1 says this If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. What God 
seems to be saying to his followers regularly is this. You have been put in relationship with one another for the sake of making one another more like Jesus. And if we are not hoping and living in a world where we want to make others more like Jesus, then we should ask ourselves if we are like him at all. Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes that's difficult. But it helps us to be what God has called us to be. To notice what needs to be noticed. To deal with what needs to be dealt with. To love where love needs to be happening. How many of you have ever observed the actions or the something that someone else has done and, and have uttered this phrase? Somebody should talk to him about that. Anybody? Oh, come on now. We got more hands in the room than that. We're truth tellers here at Grace. How many of you have ever noticed something that was undone that needed to be fixed? Whether it was something that needed to be taken to to be washed, something that needed to be cleaned. How many of us have ever said somebody needs to do do something about that? How many of us have ever looked and and realized that there was something dreadful going on in the life of someone else and and said something to the effect of, I wish somebody would talk to them about that? You're somebody. And for us to choose... Not to intervene where God has called us to intervene. is bordering on sin. More than likely standing in the middle of it. Jesus lets us know that we exist because of Him in this world to be there for one another. So let's offer holy criticism, a holy critique. Because that's criticism of a damning action that is grounded in the hope of restoration and sanctification. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? We're going to sing, and just as a response to God's Word, we we sing together every Sunday. If you're uh, here and you look at your own spirit and you see that your expression of judgment is without grace, that's a lot of us. If you see that your expression of judgment is without truth, that's a lot of us. 
And none of us are perfect. That, that's one of the things that gets said about judgment all the time. But what God would have us to be is, is people who are pursuing Him and, and pursuing one another for His sake. So if you, need to, if you need me, I'll be in the back of the room. I'd love to pray with you. If you're here, you just need to be by yourself. Feel free to uh, go to one of those tables in the back. Feel free to come to the front and pray. Just to think through, God, how would you have me to see judgment the way that you see it? Lord, we thank you for today, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for these sweet people. I thank you for the time that you've given us to, to be here. I pray that we will choose to intercede. I pray that for myself. I pray that people would intercede for my sake. I pray that we would be people who got our, are involved in one another's lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name.